0: Run to Old Navy for revolutionary prices on summer's most stylish shorts. Tomorrow only, they're all 50% off for the whole family. All your favorite shorts, denim, linen, all of them. All shorts are 50% off tomorrow only. Run to Old Navy. Valid 630 excludes active. Welcome to Real GM Radio. I'm Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. This is the Central Division Capsule Podcast, so what the way those work is it is an off-season review and a regular season preview, and the guests for this episode are Sean Heiken of NBC Sports and Brian Schroeder of Hardwood Proxism and Bulls by the Horns. And so we talk about the teams that are in this division, who got better, who got worse, and also the, you know, what's coming in the season. A lot of Cavs and Bulls because they're the best teams we we hit everybody in some in some real substance and the conversation itself runs for a little over an hour and then both of them are are very into jerseys and we had this conversation actually at Summer League in a forum and we ended up just talking about it and I liked it enough to keep it on the podcast so that runs about 20 minutes so the whole thing I think is around an hour and a half but there's about an hour five of the division capsule and then about 20-25 minutes of Jerseys and things like that. So if you like it, you can also do that part too. I really enjoyed having it. So hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for coming on. So I, I figure the best place to start with this is we'll do the off-season interview and I guess we'll start with Sean. Is in this division, who do you think got better and who do you think got worse?
1: Well, I mean, I think that the. The Cavs and the Bulls, who are the two best teams in the division, kind of stayed the same relatively. I mean, the Bulls definitely stayed the same. They add, they drafted Bobby Portis, and other than that, their roster is literally the exact same. The Cavs, I guess, probably got a little bit better because of, you know, adding Mo Williams. I really like the Greg Monroe pickup for the Bucks. I, th- mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think he's going to really help them. I think he's basically going to make it. Because, so, you know, how like last year, Chris Middleton was basically their first option on offense. Now he's their third option if, if they have Monroe and they have Jabari healthy. So, you know, I think they, they're they going to get a lot better just, you know, from having Monroe and from having Jabari back. Now, as far as who got worse, I mean, Indiana definitely got worse losing David West and Roy Hibbert. I still think they could be a fringe playoff team, but and I really like the Monte Ellis signing for them, and I think we'll probably talk about that later because, Danny, I know you and I have talked about that before, and we don't really agree about that. But uh, Indiana, I, I'm not sure if they got better. I think they probably got worse.
2: I think if, if anyone got worse, it was Indiana, but it was kind of necessary. And, and for Monte, Monte, the concept of Monte with Paul George makes a lot of sense, because Paul George desperately needs like literally anyone else who can dribble. I mean, it, it could work. It might not. The Greg Monroe signing is a much better fit for Milwaukee, especially if he's a 5, which he will be. He, he's a 5. It just That's why he's been kind of... I guess his reputation's kind of taken a hit in the last couple of years, because he's been playing power forward next to Drummond, and it just doesn't really work. It, ne- it never looked like it worked. It never looked good. So, <clears throat> Monroe isn't a good defender, but he's got good steal rates. And, you know, the Bucks force an ungodly amount of turnover, so he fits right in there. He can just, he can just pop up when, when somebody runs into Giannis
1: and just take the ball. Like, he'll be fine. With, the thing with the Bucs, the think with Monroe not being a good defender, is that he's going to the one team that can hide that.
2: He's got you know, good length too.
1: Him, you're gonna put him next to John Henson, and you're gonna put him next to Giannis if Giannis is playing some four or even some five. You know, you're gonna put those guys who are much better defenders mm-hmm. than him, and then uh, uh, yeah. for him, you've got Carter Williams. They've got guys who can defend, so you can just kind of hide Monroe's weakness. And, and he's
2: not—he's not, he's not canter. Like he understands, he's just not a very good defender. He's not abysmal, or he's not so bad that he can't be played.
0: Well, and he's gonna—I think his help defense is gonna be helped a lot by playing center most of the time because when yeah, you think that's you, what you I'm about at. just yeah that he can. The way that he moves within space, you know, he's he's he can use his... Even if his instincts are the same, it is just physically less distance from him to the ball if he's closer to the rim than it was when he was playing power forward. And I like what Brian said, that his reputation did a disservice because he was playing out of position. And that happens a lot. I mean, you see a guy do something that was never supposed to work, and it didn't work, and then he gets hurt by it. And so I think that he is in... The best circumstance, except that I don't think they have a great point guard. I, mean, I am not. I've never been sold on Michael Carter Williams. Nope. I mean, he's he's not abysmal, but he's just you know he's substantially below league average, and he might not even be starter quality right now. He could eventually be, uh, but uh, yeah, on on Monte, like I I'm fine with the concept of Monte Ellis. You know, he's a talented guy. He likes having the ball in his hands, as you guys said, he's a secondary option. My issue with it. Is that they signed him for four years and I could see the wheels coming off basically any point because not only is he a guy who relies so heavily on his athleticism to get success offensively, he has a lot of miles on his tires. I was just talking with, I was just talking with, uh, on Twitter with Tim Calakami who recovers the Warriors. We were now recovering those teams when Monte was on team. And like, there was a season, Keith Smart's season coaching the Warriors, where Monte played more than 40 minutes in 50 games, or 49 games in a single season, and so he has that kind of stuff there. So I worry that like a lot of smaller guys, smaller, quicker guys, once he loses even half a step, that that will be kind of devastating for him.
2: Yeah. If the years aren't great, and I'm not... Like I said, I, I hardly think it'll be a great signing, but I, I, I understand why they looked out there and saw him, and I thought that he was the best option. So, see, they're, they're trying to trim. The Pacers aren't trying to, you know, they're the Pacers. They are what they are. They're not trying to add too much salary most years.
1: Yeah, and they're, they're also, like, they're not a team that gets free agency. You kind of have no. to. Yeah. You have to Take what overpay. You, get. you have to offer more years than maybe you're comfortable with giving somebody. I'm sure they would have rather <clears> given Monte <throat> a three-year deal or even a 2 with an option or something. But, uh
0: if we're accounting for it just based on last year, obviously last year was non representative for them. I'm trying to think of a team that went through a bigger identity shift than the Pacers because they went from, you know, George Hill, David West, and Roy Hibbert to Paul George and George Hill and whatever else, like maybe Paul George at the four. Like their whole identity. Miles Turner. Yeah, Miles Turner. Their whole identity is totally different than it was a year ago.
1: Yeah. Who's their starting center at this point? Is it Miles Turner?
0: Uh, I would say it's probably going to be Jan Mahini. And yeah, Mahini probably Jan
1: to start That, that is yeah, not... Front
0: court rotation is just strange. Just, there are guys that I, I'm okay with. I mean, if they start Jan Mahini and Jordan Hill, that's just going to be rough.
2: Oh, God, that's... LaVoy Allen's yeah. going to get a lot of minutes for them, and he probably should compared to what else they have.
0: Yeah, I think I, they're they're... One to four is fine in terms of if they were all three and four. You know, if if they had two guys above them, like when they had Wes and Hebert, they'd be fine. I I like Lavoie. I like Miles Turner. I'm I'm a huge Miles Turner guy. I think I had him fifth on my board. But he's going to take time. I mean, there are very few guys who are 19 years old who are gangbusters at center, especially Mm. if you're not, you know, Kareem. And Kareem didn't even come into the league until I think he was 22. But, yeah, I, I think that the Pacers are in a tough spot. But they also... They don't need to be great this year. I think. I think no. if they can find themselves and maybe muddle a little bit, and you know, let's say they end up with like the tenth best record, right. get another solid player, and then I mean, it's not like Paul George is going to be a free agent next year. They have a little bit of time to figure this out.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: I don't want to talk about every move, but just uh, a transaction that happened this summer, draft pick, trade, whatever that you th- that you were particularly interested in.
2: To be honest, I'm not I'm not going to say Portis, even though you might assume I would, because Portis is going to be what he is, and it's fine. And he's not going to play very much to begin with. I, I'm i very curious about Stanley Johnson, because I really wanted him to take Winslow, because I was very concerned about his finishing. He was not a very good finisher at the rim in college. And uh, he looked great in Summer League, but, I mean, he looked great in Summer League, if not always a great predictor for NBA success. But if he's he's huge, if he is what he looks like, he might be. They look a lot different. Like, just compared 12 months ago what the what the Pistons roster looked like and what it looks like now. And it looks, you know, 200% more like a stand-up Gundy team where they're going to be playing Ilyasova, Morris, Tolliver at the four pretty much at all times. They'll have someone capable of shooting. And they'll have whatever Johnson can do. They'll have two point guards. Hopefully one of them works. That's a little risky, but... Yeah, I, I'm interested in what Stanley Johnson will be, maybe not this year, but next year, because he's just, he's a gigantic human being, and he, he looked like a monster. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, I'm really interested in what the Pistons are doing, too, but I think the, the most interesting move that I think, and like I, I really like what I, we were just talking about, how we really like what a lot of what the Bucks did. I do not yeah. understand why they let Jared Dudley go. Why they just gave him away for nothing? Because that's a guy they could use. He was he was useful for them last year. They, they might be and
2: concerned him. about his health.
1: If they're concerned about his health, I can see that. But he also he just opted in for like six million. Like you yeah can, yeah. It's, if it's if 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 he's if he's not good, you can flip him at the deadline. And it's not like you're going to get less for him at the deadline. Then no. <laughs>
0: all they got was a, yeah, and all they got was a trade exception at a number that's going to be a really low value trade exception in the future. You know, if this isn't a circumstance where you know, where you can fit a bunch of guys into that. There aren't many players making less than $6 million. The teams are no. like, hey, you want to take this guy? Especially now they created two of those exceptions because they did the same thing with Zaza Patrulia. Yeah, for me, the, the Bucks they did the big things really, really, really well. You know, I, I, I think the Chris Middleton contract is a bargain. He's a good mm-hmm. player, and he took a lot less than he probably could have gotten. He could have gotten the same amount of money for four years. Instead, he got it for five. And that's very useful. You know, it's very useful for the Bucks. And the other one with that is Greg Monroe signing a two-year contract with a player option is really fascinating because it's a bet on himself. But at the same time, it makes complete sense with with how the league is going, and so he gets another bite at the free agency apple really soon. Yeah. But but then they got the the you talked about the um, like the idea of tr- dumping Jared Dudley they also dumped up Julia, and they gave up a first round pick for Grievous Vasquez who's a free agent yeah. at the end of the year it's
1: like the I don't, I don't hate that as much oh I hate that it's
2: just it's just a confusing series of moves I don't really you're you're this young team on the rise and you're just sort of shedding off useful depth pieces for nothing basically and then overpaying for Grievous, who I like but.
0: Yeah, I like him too. I, I if he were if he were in the last year of his rookie contract and he was a restricted free agent next summer, I would be, I be I wouldn't love the deal, but I'd be broadly okay with it. You know, it's kind of one of those. It is, like, it is
2: confusing that, that they had to pay a first round pick for Grievous Vasquez, but they got nothing for Jared Dudley and like, and Zaza. And I think they're probably both better players than Grievous is. Yeah, especially in this system, Zaza was weirdly the same, very similar percentages to Greg Monroe. Seal percentages, uh, rebound percentages. This percentages to Greg Monroe's career, so maybe that's. I mean, you don't really need him if you have Monroe. They're, they do duplicate each other to an extent, but it's well, yeah, interesting. That, it,
0: it kind of felt like they did those moves preemptively. Like the the assumption was, oh, those guys are going to be unhappy, so we might as well move them now. Yeah, but you never know. You know, heaven forbid, in training camp, you know, Greg Monroe ter- tweaks his knee, or you know. Giannis does some, you know, any of those guys, those depth pieces, if, if the Bucks and it sounds like they want to compete for the playoffs, having more guys, having more dudes is better, especially in this case when you're not getting anything for them. You know, if you if they got a first-round pick or even like a really high second for one of those guys, then, you know, maybe you want to strike while the Aaron's hot. But if all you're functionally getting is a trade exception, then you're going to have that available later. Mm-hmm.
2: Do they really think Rashad Bond's going to play a lot this year? Uh, I mean, I can't imagine...
0: Yeah, if, I, not, well, if, if, if not, if not, they have
2: no other shooters really. They have Middleton
0: and OJ Mayo and, and Mayo and Bayless, I guess. I, they, they, the, the strangest thing very... about that team is you think about how they have so many guys that the, that they traded two players to squeeze out, and if everybody stayed healthy, it wouldn't hurt their bottom line too much. But they still have so many dudes. It's just a crazy team. Yeah. So, I, I think it's kind of an easy answer with this one, but uh, who do you guys think is going to be the best newcomer? So, that c- it can be a rookie or it can be a veteran, but just the be- best player on their team who wasn't on that team last year. I
1: mean, it's Greg Monroe, right? I think it has to be. Yeah,
2: pretty much. Unless Dana Johnson is amazing. Even then, I doubt it.
1: Yeah.
0: And then, so that was fast. We talked about this a little bit, but I think there are, there are a couple of really fun choices for the, the rookie. I guess we'll start with, uh, with Sean. The rookie you're most
1: excited to see this year. Bobby Portis. I just – I mean, I don't know how much he's even going to play this year because the Bulls have such a crowded uh, front court. But there's also – you know, the thing is that, you know, we say that they have this crowded front court. But, you know, you have have to keep in mind – I think there are going to be maybe more minutes for him than people think because you have to keep in mind Taj Gibson is coming off of ankle surgery Uh, you know, we don't know what he's going to be in terms of health wise for training camp. Powell is 35. He's going to, I would assume he's not going to play as many minutes as he did under Tibbs. And I think the same thing is true with Noah. He might get some days off here and there, even though he's not coming off knee surgery this uh, summer, like he was last summer or like have a strict minutes limit. And I actually uh, was at a charity thing he did last month. And he said that he wasn't going to have any kind of minutes limit, but I would imagine Fred Hoiberg is probably going to try to make an effort to limit his minutes and maybe not play him. 40 minutes a game given the way his health was. So I think Portis might have some opportunities. And I think he's, I, th- I mean, based on which, what we saw at Summer League, which, you know, obviously that's not really a huge indicator of anything, but, you know, for a big guy that can shoot, the thing the thing to me with Portis is he doesn't take anything off the table. There's nothing he's bad at. There's nothing you can put him on out on the floor and, he's, and then suddenly you have a problem in one area. He's at he's, least okay at everything. and thats He's that's probably
2: huge. the best ball handler, of, aside from Miritich. He's the best ball handler who could conceivably play center. For Hoiberg, and I think that could help. Ho- 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 Hoiberg does, that his system does seem to be predicated on that. So that that might help him get some minutes. I just don't think he will to start. Not even because of the Bulls' franchise the philosophical nature. Whatever they do with, with their sorry. Uh,
1: well, is that a Tibbs thing or is that a Bulls thing?
2: It's part. Of, it's kind of a Bulls thing. I, I just think I think I think it's more that Mirotic is going to play a lot for Hoiberg, yeah. and that he, he might be reticent to play play quarters of the five to start even though he's gigantic.
0: But, yeah. but what what also makes makes Portis such a fascinating part of this Bulls kind of overall <laughs> team is the idea of that his performance, both in games and in practices, affects the way that they think about their composition moving forward. I mean, Noah's, mm-hmm. a, Noah's a free agent at the end of this upcoming season. Gasol will presumably opt out. Taj, you know, we never really know what he's going to do. So uh, an emergent Portis, whether that be in games or in practices, you know, if he has a great October I think they get substantially more open to doing some some more things, and that's why he loom, he looms large in it. But the guy for me is is Miles Turner because not that's only is he going to get an opportunity to play, but I think there's a lot more there's a lot more that we don't know. Like I think Portis, you know, he's a great effort guy. I mean, that through the three point shot he showed in that in that I think it was against the Knicks in that one summer league game that was just we we were all just sitting there going, wait, what? Like so he has that, but Turner is he's so much more of an open question that I'm excited about that and because there is so much more room for the Pacers to... I don't want to say grow because the Bulls are a better team by a a large margin. The Bulls, you know, if if everything works out, they can be a contender in the East. But the Pacers are are much more of a tabula rasa, so if he can be good, then you start to think about where they're going in a very different way, whereas I feel like... The Bulls are the Bulls
1: to a point.
2: Although we don't know exactly what they are under Hoiberg, but, you know, yeah, they're the Bulls.
1: In terms of their roster, yeah, it's literally the exact same team as they had last yes. year, plus Portis. But it
2: might, you know, the, the minutes distribution might be, yeah, it might be different. Hoiberg might realize that Eton Moore is probably a better basketball player than Kurt Heinrich, which is a very sad sentence. I just <laughs> like him
1: more. Well, I'll, I'll say, I will say this. Uh, at, at, at Fred's introductory press conference back at the beginning of June when they first hired him, Yep. Uh, he went through everybody on the roster and said how he thinks they're going to help the team. And he even mentioned Etuan more. Like, he said, yeah, Etuan had a good year. He had some big games. You know, he's going to get some minutes. You know, he just said, kind of said just generic stuff like that. He didn't mention Kirk at all. Yeah. So that, make, that makes me think he's maybe not going to have the same attachment to playing him that Tom Thibodeau did. And
2: now John Paxson will fight a third head coach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and it feels like... I don't know. What goes against that is that they didn't really commit the resources, despite choosing to be a tax team, which was very encouraging, because, you know, they retained Dunleavy. They did, had a better offseason than oh I expected. But that, the fact that they're going walking into a season with Aaron Brooks as their backup point guard for Derrick Rose is a little bit scary when you're talking about... I, I think the mm-hmm. Bulls have the best shot of knocking off the Cavs, conceptually, in a, in a seven-game Eastern Conference series, of, the, of these teams, of course, limiting it to that. But... That is the huge red flag, because if Derrick Rose misses time, they're just dead.
1: I was baffled by them not getting a better backup point guard this offseason. Had, I think, I all think had, out of the guys that were available, I think you know, ori- originally I thought the best target for them would have been Corey Joseph, but then obviously Toronto gave him more money than the Bulls could have, because yeah. they only had the tax mid-level exception. Then you look at Jeremy Lin got, and I don't even think Jeremy Lin is that good, but you look at Jeremy Lin getting, what, what he get, $2 million from the Hornets?
0: Yeah, and he the got... Bulls
1: the Bulls could have afforded that, and he's, I don't, like I said, I don't think Jeremy Lin is that great, but he's a hell of a lot better than what Aaron Brooks was last year.
0: And you have to assume the visibility of assuming he was going to be the backup both places, which is true. He might play a little bit more in Charlotte, but the visibility of being on the Bulls, this is something that Jeremy Lin, of all people, should appreciate, that role role plus visibility helps. If if for whatever reason your market is low, lower than it should be, then if you're going to bet on yourself, you do something like what Ed Davis did last year, where you go to a very visible team, and then somebody will pay you.
2: Brooks was just miserable in the playoffs last year. Just from every possible metric he was horrible let's just go with that again that'll work yeah sure
0: we we didn't really talk about it because they didn't fit within this rubric but i think that cleveland so far there's of course a huge caveat left because of tristan still being out there but they had an incredibly successful offseason like if you think about what their goals were i mean lebron is lebron but they got kevin love to functionally agree to the longest contract he was ever going to agree to and they got an upgrade at at backup point guard without losing their third, without losing their then backup point guard who will also make his money in Jersey sales. And, and then, and then they still, ha- and they got Jared Smith to take a discount at, I mean, for whatever, you know, because he was aggressive. And so I, I think that you can say realistically that things worked out about as well for them as you could expect with the huge, huge thing being, we don't know about Tristan. Yeah.
1: I still think Tristan's going to get maxed out before training camp.
2: I don't just—I don't even know to, what the other what else could
1: happen. Honestly, it just. Well, I mean, maybe he signs the like he could sign the qualifying offer, and if he does that, then you know his agent has already said on the record that if he signs the qualifying offer, he's not going to stay in Cleveland. So, I he you know he can get more money next year with the salary cap going up. So, I mean, I get that, but I just. I don't know if Tristan, like, it's one of those things, I don't know if Tristan Thompson is a max player in a vacuum, but for the Cavs, I think he absolutely is, and they need him. The Draymond Green
2: corollary? Yeah, exactly.
1: It's the the Draymond
0: Green corollary, but even stronger, because there is zero chance the Cavs are going to have cap space in the next few years, as long as you assume they're going to have LeBron James. They have money now committed for the next... Four seasons. If you count LeBron as a fait accompli, regardless of him having a contract or not, which I think is fair, you have Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, and LeBron James under contract. Even with the exploding cap, you're not going to have space. And when you factor in that Mozgov presumably is going to be in the same boat as Tristan, then why not pay him? <laughs> what like what is the point yeah. of playing yeah. playing hardball for a couple million dollars when you're when you can't replace him and He's represented by LeBron's guy. And so just make everybody happy. I mean, considering the, like, you can just say, hey, the savings we got on J.R. Smith for him being silly and opting out of money, you know, the, the savings we got on him, we used part of that for Tristan Thompson, and that gets you part of the way. It doesn't get you the whole way, of course. But, I mean, the yeah. money they saved on, and so, and also they got Schumper back at a reasonable rate, you know, maybe a little bit higher. But that's exactly the same circumstance. They realized, you know, it's like, we might as well just pay this guy because we have no other ways to get better anymore.
1: Yeah. Right, and like, and my, and my thing is like, I know it's going to be a ton of luxury tax money for Dan Gilbert this year, but then, you know, the cap is going to go up 20 million in each of the next two seasons. So it's really not going to be that much of a long-term hit. Like, I don't know if they're even in danger of paying the repeater tax. Yeah. You, you probably know more about their, uh, long-term, you know, Cap situation than I do, Danny, but it seems like it's really just sort of a short-term hit. If they were going to take, you know, take the, hit, the salary cap hit of, or not the salary cap, like the luxury tax hit of paying Tristan Thompson a max deal, it seems like something that's only going to be in effect for this year. And, and it's, it's like you have a team that's probably that was I mean, two, two freak certain... injuries
2: away from really contending for a title versus well, here's one the, of the best, well,
1: here's the thing, here's one, the thing. versus
2: one of the best regular season teams of the last twenty years. I mean,
1: here's the thing. I think that the. The 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 Cavs are the prohibitive favorite to win the East. I think that's not really even up for dispute. And that, I mean, the fact is, think about all the stuff that went wrong for them last year, like LeBron and David Blatt not being on the same page. They had to make those two trades and like adjust, you know, bring in two new guys that actually. LeBron played. not playing LeBron for two weeks. LeBron decided not to play for two weeks. Uh. You know, the Kevin Love gets injured in the playoffs. Kyrie is basically playing, even before the injury in the finals, Kyrie was basically playing on one foot for the entire playoffs, and then he has the knee injury. Even with all that stuff, they still made the finals pretty easily. Like, I mean, Chicago was a little yeah. bit more competitive with them, but they swept Atlanta, they swept Boston. You know, with all that stuff, they still, like, their path to the finals was still pretty uh, painless.
0: And the top, of, and the top the of the East didn't get better.
1: Right, the top of that, the top of the East, there's no there's no team in the East. I think, you know, I was thinking about this because we're doing a thing for pro basketball talk for next week about, like, which, you know, who's the second best team in the East. And I had to think about it because there's no clear – last year, like, before the start of the season, it was clearly, you know, the conventional wisdom was, you know, it's Cleveland and Chicago that are the two best teams. And obviously Atlanta kind of came out of nowhere and did a lot better than – anybody thought they were but now it's like you've got a whole bunch of teams in like that second tier you know chicago's in there miami's in there if everybody's healthy washington's in there atlanta is still in there i think they got a little bit worse because they lost uh, damari but i still think they're going to be pretty good but all those teams i think are in their own tier that's that's pretty significantly below what the Cavs are so if they have just any bit less injury stuff than they had last year like i don't see how it's they just
2: stroll yeah, those strolls in the finals.
0: Well, that was the question I asked uh, when I had Robbie Cowan and Mike Prada on. We were talking about the kind of uh, the question I like to use, and Robbie got a little bit sad because it was kind of a dig out the Hawks to a point, right. which is if you exclude LeBron, how many starters do the Cavs have to lose to not be the favorites in the East?
1: I think you have to lose. Uh, LeBron. <laughs> I think, well, okay, so if, if LeBron's healthy, clearly they can make the finals without. Love and functionally without Kyrie Irving, I think if they lost Mozgov, that would be a big. Problem.
0: Yeah, I think the answer is three. I, I as crazy as it sounds, I think that they have to lose three starters if we're counting LeBron as a as a given. Because I think otherwise, then
2: things get really complicated.
1: Right. If the if the Cavs lose LeBron, then you know all bets. I honestly
2: think I honestly think they have LeBron. They'll still make the final something crazy happens. Yeah. I, I think that's what it takes. Is yeah. LeBron to break his spine or something
0: oh, and, and to answer to answer sean's question about cleveland's cap situation assuming lebron gets his maximum every year but they don't change the max structure they right. could potentially not pay the tax in 2017-18 you know if they are reasonable with the contracts they give to Mozgov and, and thompson they could and, and everybody easy. else that year they could potentially not pay the tax
1: yeah. And so I don't so I just don't understand why they're dragging their feet on Tristan because they I mean they're going they need to keep him. Yeah. Like cuz they have no they have no way to replace him and they need him. They need what he gives them even if he's not going to be a starter for them with Kevin Love is healthy.
0: And, and honestly, if LeBron if, if the margin between paying the tax and not paying the tax was LeBron, like let's say like I would I would assume he might be willing to take a small to you know take like a million less or something to like what Dwayne Wade did, you know, to a point just yeah. to even though it's obviously Dan Gilbert's probably still not his favorite person in the world. Also, if they've won a title by then, then I think Dan Gilbert has no right to complain that the bill is high or
1: whatever. He but, probably right. will, but yeah. Right, because then Dan Gilbert is a hero in Cleveland forever. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I, and and that's a huge a huge concern. Sort of, of the
2: what thing. fresh hell is this?
0: So, one of the ways that I've, uh, there are a lot of people, and I've been talking about this for, because really this is the only topic le- to talk about in the East if we're f- fixating on the title, is how does the Cavs being prohibitive favorites to make the finals, in your mind, affect their likelihood of winning the finals? I, I think I think they're good enough that they're they have a better than puncher's chance, notably better if they're even close to healthy against anybody. So I think that that makes them have a much better shot at the title than maybe some people are saying, just because there's so many less ways for them to fail. The one way yeah. to, for them to fail is to lose in the finals.
1: Yeah. yeah, I I think they're probably the favorites to win the title at this point because there's just there's so much there's so many more moving parts in the West. There's like five teams at the the top of my head. I mean, depending on what you want to count. Yeah, if
2: if you're taking... The Cavs versus any single team in the West, it definitely have better odds. The Cavs versus the entire West, I still say that the West probably has a better chance.
1: Yeah, I think that's but, probably right. But if you look at if you look but at I don't the West, which, like, I don't
2: know which team to take
1: out of that. Out yeah, of that like the, top, the the right five country. teams in the West that are for sure title contenders. You know, you got Golden State, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Clippers, and Houston. And then you know, depending on if you think Memphis is in there too, you know, that's that's you know, that's five or six teams that.
2: I think Memphis should be in there, but I'm not. I'm
1: not entirely. Yeah, I mean, Memphis. I think it's re- I think it's reasonable to think Memphis will be competitive there. So you've got, you know, you've got six teams right there, but like, you know, there's also, you know, the thing of like, those teams might all just beat each other up in the in the playoffs, whereas the Cavs, you know, depending on who they face, they I think they're going to win the, the West, the East pretty easily, but they're going to have a lot less, you know, serious competition and, serious, you know, teams that have serious chances of taking them out than any team in the in the West. There's no clear-cut favorite in the West.
0: How, how cold-blooded would it be if the Cavs were able to strategically rest guys during the Eastern
1: Conference playoffs? Oh, my God. That would – yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible.
0: I mean, it's also possible that they could be ahead in their series enough that they could just say, oh, well, we'll just try to win in five, and then you get the rest anyway.
2: But yeah. There's so that'd many... be more what LeBron would do.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that that is the the kind of the biggest story to me of the of the Cavs season is 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 there any reason to play him in the regular season more than like thirty minutes a game?
1: No, there's not.
0: Yeah, I think you play him thirty minutes a game, and I think you play him like seventy games, it, it, assuming he's you know, assuming he's healthy, because they're gonna have the East blocked up in terms of record pretty early, because even the teams like the Bulls that are good. Are having a huge adjustment period, and everybody in the conference and pretty much in the league, the bottom got a lot better. So I think that teams like the Hawks and the Bulls are going to just lose more games because they'll you know they won't have as many games where they're just way better. So if they have you know like a ten game lead going into uh, like a ten game lead going into the middle of March, they should just sit all their guys. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Not that they actually, or they could, you know, play them lightly, but they can ramp their guys up during the playoffs as opposed to ramping them up to the playoffs. Like, it's it's such a crazy thing because I don't think we've ever seen it where a team could basically figure themselves out. They could, and, you know, people talk about how you have to turn on your light switch at various moments. They could turn on their light switch in the conference semifinals, and I think they'd be fine.
2: Probably, yeah.
0: That's scary. I think
2: the Spurs in the mid-2000s did. Could have done that to an extent.
0: That's an interesting because parallel. Yeah, that, that because be true. because
2: when when it was still a five game first round series, they, they they didn't care. They would walk. They would waltz past people, and they would uh, they'd be playing Duncan. That's when they started playing Duncan like thirty minutes a game, maybe two thousand six or seven. And then you know, I mean, that didn't hurt them. Then they cruised through the finals in those seven. So.
0: Yeah, the only reason the Cavs would push hard is if they if it was important to them to have the you know to have the best record or to jump some teams in terms of the finals. But I don't think that's a big enough deal.
2: I'm not sure they're they're that convinced. They're, they're that uh dependent on home court anyway. They, they might say they are, but I'm not sure that they are.
0: Well, yeah, especially when the the it's just the finals. You know, they they should yeah. they should be the favorites. to Have it the rest of the way. So really, that's you know a game seven in the finals, which is clearly important. I mean, I'm not going to discount the importance of a conceptual finals game seven, but especially when they switched it back to the two, two, one, 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 mm-hmm. the home being, the home seed doesn't matter as much the rest of the way. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to this, to the season preview. Obviously we can talk about if we, we have more on those notes, but just simply ranking mm-hmm. the teams one to five.
2: cast Bulls, bucks, piston spacers.
1: Interesting. Okay.
2: Drummond's too good. The best yeah, in life, I, team, I mean, I
1: think the top three in that order is pretty hard to argue with. Cavs and then Bulls and then Bucks. I kind of lean towards putting the Pacers. Yeah, the I, 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 that was
2: a major reaction.
1: Right, just, I, I kind of lean towards that just because I think Paul George is going to have a really big year coming back from the injury. He seems like he's. You know, if, if if he's healthy, if he's moving well, you know, I I think people are kind of forgetting how good he was before the injury, and I think he's going to be able to come back from that. I, I guess I just have a lot of faith in him to do that, and I um, I I don't know. It's it's interesting, but I I mean I agree about I agree about Drummond, and I I, I think Drummond is just going to have a my place. my question
2: is when when will he get All Star consideration? He's probably What's deserved it? it the last two years. Drummond, Drummond? yeah.
0: Well the, well, the the crop of guys compete he's competing with in the East yeah. is probably thinner, but it, it's hard because I think he'll have to get in on coaches' vote. You know, I don't yeah. think he's. He, I don't think the Pistons are going to hit that level, even because he's had the Sports Center plays the last couple of years. He's had the Moses Malone stats the last couple of years, so that that wasn't enough. I, I think that. So it, in terms of the coaches, I think that he'll have a he'll have a respectable chance. But why I'm leaning Pacers over Pistons is. First of all, I think they're both good coaches. And so Stan Van, I think, is a better regular season coach than Vogel, though Vogel has done a very good job. I just have more faith that Stan can do it with less talent because he's done it before. Mm -hmm. But then I think there's a substantially greater chance that Paul George is a top 10, top 15 player in the league this year than Drummond because Paul George has already done it. So I think the surrounding talent, I think the overall package in Detroit makes a whole lot more sense, especially with their coach. But I th- having a player, you know, that's in that conversation can win you a lot of games.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but that it ties, in, it ties in kind of in an interesting way to the next question, which is, how many teams in this division do you think make the playoffs?
1: Three. Well, three for sure, I think.
0: I think it's, th- I think three, but... It would be hard – four would – it would be eminently possible, but I it's think
1: that – It's very possible. I think well, – well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's going to be two playoff spots open because if you think Cleveland, Chicago, and Milwaukee make it from the Central – and I realize they don't do the whole division thing anymore, but I was listening to the podcast that you did with Tim a while ago and Tim and uh, Jared Weiss that you – know, they, they was talking about like whether the Atlantic Division was going to get shut out – I don't think it's going to, but, you know, you've basically got Cleveland, Chicago, Milwaukee from the uh, central, and then you've got Atlanta, Miami, presumably if they're healthy, and Washington from the southeast. So that's only two spots open. And, you know, then you've got, you know, Toronto, Boston, uh, Indy, and Detroit, I think, are the four teams that have the best chance. But that's four teams fighting for two spots. It could be Toronto and Boston, or it could be, you know it could be it could be two teams from one of the other divisions like it's just it's it, there's so many variables like I, I think it's possible that the rest of the central division could get shut out it's also possible that both of the that all five teams get uh, in the playoffs I don't think it's likely but it's possible
0: yeah I think it's a little bit different I said in the southeast one that the reason I, I like three as a number for that is that I thought that there would be a possibility that if one of the teams fell out that a team from that division would go in. But to me, it's harder. It's, I think it's three with the central, but not for that logic because I feel much more comfortable in all three central teams making it because we already saw Milwaukee make the playoffs with a rookie head coach with one of their best players out for the whole year. So it wasn't. And a good with player.
1: and with completely changing their roster, they traded one of their best players at the trade deadline for a point guard who can't shoot.
0: Correct. Yeah, they did it for a point guard who can't shoot, and they added now they added Greg Monroe, who's. A, a, an upgrade over Zaza Pachulia, even though Zaza Pachulia played surprisingly well last year, and so I think that the Bucks. Well, of course, it's possible that they don't make playoffs. I mean, they also had a positive point differential last year, which wasn't super common in the in the East. I mean, the only team that didn't make the playoffs who did was the Pacers, and they were obviously a very different circumstance.
2: Pacers were also very close to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, they were. They were. They were. A, about as close as you could Still I was so gonna, upset about I, that. I was going to say as close as you could get, but I think the, the Thunder get that honor. Uh, so then, the, the only other question, obviously, we can talk about other things if you want, though, is uh, what players do you think... And we can talk about some... Let's focus more on the players we haven't talked about as much, though I'm sure a guy like Drummond will come up. What players do you think from this division will break out, like reach a different level of success or fame this year?
1: Well, I don't, I don't know. The obvious choice is Mirage.
2: I was going to say, I don't think Jimmy Butler... Couldn't get any higher, but I mean,
1: right. he's still here. He's still there. I I I agree. I th- I think I think Mirich is going to have a huge year under Hoyberg. I think Hoyberg's offense is a lot more suited to what Mirich does than Tibbs was. Uh, you know, you're going to see a lot. Of, uh, I want to I want to ask you guys how you guys feel about Doug McDermott. On that same note,
2: I was going to say earlier, does he count as a rookie? Honestly, like, <sighs> he almost should.
1: Well, he. I sort of
0: except that he was a four-year college player I mean it's not like this is a it's not like a Dante Exum situation let's say where it's this super young kid who came over and basically had to spend a year he was a a player who played in the United States who played for four years of college McDermott worries me because he's not he, he hasn't been reliably good at what we thought he would be good at yeah and that that goes two directions so Part of me, when it's somebody who I'm really confident in that skill, I go, oh, well, they'll work that out. Like, theoretically, let's say if, like, Stephen Curry had had a bad rookie year shooting-wise, I'd be like, okay, well, he's still a good shooter. I believe in it. With McDermott, I'm a little bit less confident in that. However, he's going to be... He's not going to be asked to do a lot for the Bulls. This isn't a circumstance where, you know, you're you're like, hey, shoulder the load on the offense, even though their second unit is not strong in terms of (laughs) perimeter depth. But... I I worry that he also, I would be intrigued with him as a small ball four just offensively, just doing that. But there is no conceivable way other than like dysentery to their entire team that he is deserving of minutes at the big man positions because they just have, <laughs> they have more talent. You know, like they, they have so much talent that uh, for weird reasons, I feel like I'll end up seeing Bobby Portis to the three for very short periods of time. Which would be awesome, by the way.
1: That'll be interesting because they tried that with Miritich, and it didn't really work that well. Yeah,
0: Mirtich can't defend threes. I mean, that's the problem there. Is offensively, you know, if if you want to co like kind of build an offensive role for him that is similar to a small forward, I think you can make that work. But he can't defend them at all.
2: The funny thing here is that I distinctly remember him uh, guarding Paul Pierce fairly well when he was at the three. Miritich? Yeah, but you know, Paul Pierce isn't a three, so. <laughs> yeah,
0: Paul, that's right. Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce is a four. I just in his career. But they
2: were both playing three for some reason in the game.
0: Yeah, I also feel like there is a chance that a lot of guys. There, there, are so many guys in this in this conference, in this division, particularly who I like more than it feels like the the casual fan. Not necessarily more than you know people like us, but like Drummond, Chris Middleton, maybe Amon Schumpert, but he's not flashy. But they're like guys who guys who can do well. And also, it's we've talked about it a little bit before, but. I think that fans are going to rediscover how good Paul George is, because he was incredible. Yeah. That I mean, he was good for a couple of years before everything happened, but he's a, a great defensive player. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. But his offense grew leaps and bounds before he got hurt, and assuming he can come back with most of that, I feel pretty optimistic that he can play a substantially positive role on that on that team, even if they're not dominant in any way.
2: Yeah, uh, jumping back really quick, uh, I think Middleton's a good answer for not necessarily a player who will break out, but a player who will sort of solidify his position because I feel like even going through the playoffs, a lot of people kind of saw him as just sort of their desperation offense, and they, they, they built their entire offense around him for most of the second half of the season. He was very good. Just he's, he's got too fast of a release, and he's too tall not to be a good shooter for a long time, and he's a good defender. So I feel like, like he's not going to be even like borderline All Star level, honestly. But I feel like he's going to cement himself because you still saw people question if he was worth the money he got this year, and it just seems insane to me. Like he's very good. He should be. He should be getting that at least. He should be starting. I feel like maybe he should. He'll instead of breaking out, you know, if not a star, he'll just solidify himself in that very good
1: category.
0: I, I really hope also that this this division has some guys like. Contavious Caldwell Pope that I've liked in other years and just hope that they get a shot. And it would be nice to see, you know, McDermott, I think, is in that same camp of guys who, you know, have have a chance to still show it, but they haven't yet.
2: Well, KCP's gotten a shot. He's gotten many, many, many shots, as many shots as he wanted.
0: Yeah, but on, on a bad team.
2: Yeah, I know, but I'm just he I, is not afraid to shoot.
0: I, I think with him that there there are a group of guys, and incidentally, like, half of the Warriors would be on this list, that I think they are substantially better players when their surrounding talent is there. Like, obviously, that's true of almost everybody, that they, they are helped by that. But I think if you are more a supporting player by nature, I feel like that amplifies in that. So when you're asked to do less, I think of a guy like Danny Green. Like, Danny yeah. Green is asked to do very little, and he is awesome at it. And... A guy like KCP could be in that kind of a role, and the Pistons aren't all the way there yet, but they're a whole heck of a lot closer than they were before.
2: Like I said, their their roster compared to this time last year is night and day as far as what you'd want for a Sam and Cup team.
1: Yeah, Ilya,
0: another guy who could have a really nice season is Ilya Sova.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, yeah, I, people have talked. I, I, when I, when the trade happened, I was sitting next to Sean in the in the finals, you know, in, in the media room, and. I was thinking about it in terms of, oh, you know, it's kind of a one-year thing, but he has a, a what is pretty much a non-guaranteed contract for next year. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Pistons pick that up.
1: No. Yeah. I mean, you can use, they can use him the way that Stan used Ryan Anderson in Orlando. Like, yeah. he's exactly the same type of skill set.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I wish they had a couple more guys. Like, if... if Stanley can play the four, that would be that would kinda of do that. just a couple more players that I felt confident in, but Stan has developed them before. You know, this isn't a circumstance where, you know, you have an unproven coach. Like if they can get one more like two or three or something like that, or if Jennings can be healthy eventually during the season so they can get forty eight quality minutes from the one. I, I think that they could be better than people think. That doesn't being better than people think doesn't make them a playoff team necessarily. But I think they could be not only watchable, but actually, you know, one of those teams, like, kind of a weird parallel to the pre-explosion Sacramento Kings, where they might not be better than everybody, but
1: they can put, they can give everybody a game. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah it's going to be a lot
1: more watchable than they were a Oliver's
2: going to play a lot for them, and it's going to be hard for somebody to knock, knock him out of that second or third Spot. Oh Stan, Stan's boys. gonna to love be- him
0: too. Well he already played. He already him last does. Year. He already does. He played yeah. him a lot last year. Yeah, I feel like that that you're right that he he could be their Kirk
2: Heinrich. Yeah. But he's better. No, Caliber's fine. He's, I, I always thought he's been I've always thought he was pretty good. It's just I mean, it's weird. He has a weird frame, he's not that big, but he can shoot.
0: So I'll, I'll end this or, maybe not end it, but I'll ask you guys I've been doing this on the either other East podcasts of this ilk. What team in the East do you think has the best chance of beating Cleveland in a seven-game series?
2: Probably Chicago.
1: You would think, if they, uh, they again. I mean, if, if 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 Noah has a better year than last year, if Rose can stay more uh, consistently healthy, uh, you know, if, if if all, I think I think those are still the two keys. I I'm, I'm not really that worried about Hoyberg's offense because I think I think that's going to click pretty easily, and. I'm, you know, I, and it's uh, you know it would help if like Tony Snell and Doug McDermott and some of these guys, you know, some of their younger guys develop. But it really comes down to is Rose healthy and is Noah healthy? And those, you know, that's the whole. Like if, yeah. if those two guys, if those two guys are healthy, and that's a huge if. But you know, I think they're probably the best team in the in the in the East besides Cleveland.
2: feels like the seventh or eighth straight year. I, I that's the, my consensus that the Bulls are the best chance to take out LeBron King. But yeah, I mean, it still has to be, especially in this division.
0: I, I, I think a healthy Miami team would be there. It just feels so prohibitively unlikely that we get to see it, because they also, I mean, Chicago has Jimmy Butler, who's a, a very good man-to-man defender, and Miami doesn't really have that guy. But Miami's strengths, not anymore. Yeah, Miami's guys, it, their strengths are so good that I could see them working relatively well, especially if Whiteside can deliver. Like I feel like they can do certain things that that Cleveland would just struggle with. But it's so unlikely that we get to see that, sadly enough, because there's so many injury risks on that team.
2: Dragic and Whiteside together... Well, I mean, the, the
1: thing with, the thing with so Miami so is you have to, be to, to already, like, before you even do anything, you have to fold in at least 20 games that Dwayne Wade is going to miss.
0: Yeah, but it, but it, let's say they're healthy going into the playoffs. Like, let's say going into a second-round series. Like, if, if Miami gets the five seed and they win their first-round matchup against whoever... I think that would be a fairly competitive 1-4, one, 1-5 one, 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 series.
2: Yeah, it would. I and mean, Wade would be Wade would be uh, motivated. So
0: yeah, absolutely, and Bosch too. Yep. And my and Miami can go. They can go smaller. You know, like they can play Bosch at the five, which isn't small because Bosch is still a big dude. Or they can play. You know, more traditional, and they can do well either way, which is a, a nice thing to be able to do against against Cleveland because we still don't exactly know what they want to be at full strength because we just never really got to see last year yeah. after they – because they never – I don't think they ever fully incorporated their talent. That's just – They
1: they didn't, and there's they were such a different team, and I mean a lot of this was out of necessity, but they became such a slow it down, like grind it out defensive team after they lost Love and Kyrie, and they did that out of necessity. but So it's like I think you, you, you have to wonder, are they going to be able to keep a lot of those elements while also playing to what Love and Kyrie are good at? I don't know.
2: This is all speculative that Kyrie plays at all in 2015.
0: Oh, he he will. Oh, you mean you mean in this season?
2: In in, in yeah, in the calendar year. Oh, I I don't I be. don't
0: think they need him to play at all in the calendar year to be prohibitive for to have a, a great odds of having the number one. Well, I'm CDs. just saying it,
2: it'll we won't know exactly how they integrate all the pieces. If he doesn't oh, that's that's a, that's a great point. Yeah, and, and
0: yeah, and and also that means that though I don't expect them to be a large factor in this, but the... Mm-hmm. It really does affect if they're trying to make any moves at the deadline that they will have a much less time to figure it out. Yeah. But it could be great for Kevin Love just to really kind of solidify his rapport with LeBron and really figure out space on the floor and how how he can succeed and thrive on this team.
2: Coming back really quick to Miami, I, I do I do think we, they don't have a, a high level man to man defender anymore, but they might. We don't know. Maybe Dreshens Winslow is always awesome.
0: Yeah. He, could, he has uh, a
2: profile for it. I, yeah, I'd be more confident in his defensive skills this year than his offensive skills. Oh, for
0: sure. I, I think that's true of just about any any guy, especially if they don't have to play center, because centers have a big adjustment just realizing how fast everybody else moves. But yeah. he... It, it's always hard for a rookie to be a defensive ace. I mean, even players like Tony Allen, who ended up being very good defenders, struggled a Iguadala Iguodala was good, but he wasn't, you know, Iguodala his rookie yeah. year. But... But, let's, but he doesn't have to be that his rookie year. If he can figure it out by mid-April, late-April, that could be enough.
2: Miami's just an interesting team because they could, if, if at any point they need to, they can just switch it up and let Dragic run with Winslow and with everyone else.
0: I, I, think, they're gonna I think they're going to run a lot.
2: Yeah, but if they have to, if they, if they actually have to, they can just switch it to that gear, and Dragic, Dragic can handle that as well as anyone in the league. Yeah, it's just an interesting. I just he's just a fun point guard. He's fun. It's fun to match him up against people because he's just he's very unorthodox.
0: But well, they he's have bigs, and they have bigs light. that make a lot of sense with him, you know. Yeah, like, but Bosh and,
1: Bosh said, and
2: Whiteside, he, he and Whiteside could just wreck the Cavs in a playoff series. Maybe not for the entire series, but that would they would they would need, definitely
1: take a couple games. That would that would be a they would,
2: series. Yeah, they would need the Cavs would need to make some serious adjustments against that because those two together in a pick and roll. Just would devastate. And you know
0: how how that super hype, hyped Miami crowd would be such a huge home court advantage in the
1: playoffs. <laughs> I think they'd get up for for a Heat-Cavs series.
2: Yeah,
0: that that's true. Yeah, if there was any if there was anything that would make them step up, it would be LeBron coming back in a playoff series, especially if they took one of the first two games in Cleveland. Which, which
2: they could very easily. do.
0: Yeah, uh, certainly. Yeah, it's a very good team. Yeah,
2: very interesting team. The rest, I mean, the, the rest of their roster is really interesting too, because you got guys like well, I don't know if Tyler Johnson's healthy, but Tyler Johnson shot the hell out of the ball last year, just out of well, nowhere.
1: I think they've done a good job with with adding veterans. Who are they going to have? You know, playing smaller roles. I, you know, Amari obviously can't defend yeah. anyone at this point, but I think he can he can still help a team on the offensive end for sure. And so can you know Gerald Green has had like you know low keys yeah. had a pretty couple a couple of pretty good years in Phoenix. And they got him for the minimum.
0: Yeah, I I thought I thought they had a great off season. I think you could make an argument that given the constraints they had, they had the best off season because you know teams like the Spurs did more, but the Spurs had a lot of ability to do more, and they got guys to you know take a lot less than they were worth. Miami mm-hmm. had was kind of between a rock and a hard place and just nailed it. And right, because
1: like I think I think the, the, the what they ended up doing with Dwayne Wade was perfect because yep. you don't want to give him like a long term. You know, Kobe type of contract that's going to hamstring them because obviously they're going to be trying to chase Kevin Durant next year. But you know, you give him, you know, give him, you know, do right by him in the short term. You know, give him the one-year 20 million that kind of makes up for the money that he left on the table uh, by opting out last summer and by taking the pay cut for the few years with uh, LeBron there. But then, you know, they you. I think that I think the idea is that going forward, they'll be like, OK, you know, we took care of you now. You know, we want to bring in, you know, more stars. So if if you could take less now, like I think he might be more open to that now that they met him halfway this time. So I think they handled that whole situation really well.
0: Yeah, it, I, I'm fascinated by the idea of if they I, if they get to obviously, that changes everything for them. But of what they would want to – where Hassan – I guess the bright way to articulate this is where Hassan Whiteside is on their, like, theoretical big board of free agents. Because, like, would they rather have Al Horford? You know, would they rather – you know, where would they like to go with him? Oh,
1: God. I would feel so much – I mean, i feel more comfortable. Giving, I mean, they're both going to get the max. I would feel a lot more comfortable giving it to Al Horford, even with his age and his injury history. He's just so much more of a sure thing. You, you know what he is. Whiteside, you know, Whiteside had a great year last year, but he's you know, very he's still, he's still has he still has kind of off the court, like you know. What, he got benched
0: against the Wizards. Like I was covering, I was covering it. It was Wizards Heat, and he got benched because he was. I don't. I can't remember if it was that he was not trying, like not getting back on defense, or he – spat back at the coaches or something, you know. Like It was something, and he got... And
1: he's also, like, he's also had a couple of things where, like, he, you know, had some, like, hard fouls against guys that were kind oh, of dirty. Yeah. He has, and, you know, like, Wade called him out for it one time, like, saying that, like, he was, like, letting the team down. I forget what his exact wording was, but he kind Wade kind of called him out publicly. So he's still, he's not, he's, by, he's definitely rehabilitated his career, but he's not, like... A model citizen as of now so yeah. if and as long as the as long as the production stays where it was last year i think he will be one of their priorities but if there's any more of those slip-ups or the production slips i think especially especially considering that they would have to go into their cap space to resign him because of the weird uh, early bird thing uh they you know i think they would feel more, a lot more comfortable going for you know something that's a little bit more of a sure thing like al horford
2: Horford and Bosch together is terrifying and I'm very upset you brought up this
1: potentiality. <laughs> can we talk uh, can we talk about the idea of Horford going to the Bulls because I remember uh,
2: oh, no. I I, just,
1: I listened to the podcast that you did with Nate last week and then you and I talked about this a little bit and I think that's a, that's really interesting. I don't think it's likely to happen but that
0: Yeah, I mean, well so that gets into something that I've wanted to talk about and probably will on the podcast in a longer thing which is the amount of money is about to spike so high that I think there's a really real possibility that certain guys are going to take, like, guys who want this, are willing to going to take less than they're worth to make themselves happier. And I could totally see that happening with Noah and Horford, just because, I, I from what I've heard, they still have a really good relationship. Yeah. And... Horford, that kind of gets him a lot of what he wants. You know, he, he likes to, uh, it sounds like, similar to LaMarcus Aldridge, that he would, you know, relish playing a little bit less, you know, right at the basket and getting banged around a lot. And the Bulls are mm-hmm. obviously a good team. So, like, if they could figure out a way to make it work, that would be crazy good. I mean, that would that, that would be, you, if you can run a three-man front court rotation, let's say conceptually, of Horford, Noah, and Miritich, that's awesome.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that if your if your goal is to win a title, I think that, that that's as good a way to do it as they're going to have. Assuming they're not going to get Durant, because I don't think they are.
2: I think they're the only team who's not going after him. <laughs> I don't think they're even. It's going 20, It's a 2019 race right now. You you honestly don't think they're going after him? No, I think they'll they'll. I don't think they have, well. I don't think they have any realistic expectations. I think I they'll get a
1: meeting. They, I don't. I think they'll call. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they're even going to get a meeting though.
2: No, they'll they'll call. They'll, they'll check in maybe he's always wanted to be a bowl, but, you know, like, I don't think they have any, nor should they have any realistic realistic expectations of getting him, but, I mean.
1: the Their, their free agency next year is going to be interesting, because I, 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 it's so hard to get a read on what Noah is, because, you know, I mean, I mean, the thing with, the thing with Noah, his whole career has been, like, he's not a, he's not a big guy, he's 6, he's 6'11", he's not, he's not, like, a physically overpowering guy, he's, just, you know, he's been able to, you know, be more athletic. He's listed and once at that athleticism. and he's not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, once that athleticism goes, I think we kind of saw what happened this year. And, I mean, maybe he has a bounce-back year this year if he's, you know, been able to actually train normally during the regular season. I mean, during the off-season and not have to, you know, be rehabbing from knee surgery. But, you know, I can't imagine he's going to be anything close. He's also to in
2: his them. 30s.
1: Right, he's in his 30s. I can't imagine he's going to be close to anything close to a max player next year in, the, in free agency. I wonder what he's going to get. Is he going to get like $10 million a year in the new cap? Is that going to be enough?
0: Well, I think if, if teams are offering him something in that range, then you start to get into the fun questions of would he take less for the right team or for the right situation. And I, I mean, because if, if you're deciding at 10, then like choosing 6 or 7 is a lot more palatable than if you're at 15.
2: Yeah. Um, right.
0: The other crazy, crazy hypothetical that I've never talked about on the show is: let's say conceptually, Kevin Durant said, "You know where I want to go? I want to go to Cleveland." <laughs> like, what, what kind of an offer? Like, if, if so, if if Cleveland oh, then went, okay, like, so because because the crazy part about that is they'd have to get under the tax to do it because you can't sign and trade, you can't acquire right. a guy by sign and trade. So it's like, okay, would they be willing to basically trade all the guys they re-signed this summer to get Kevin Durant?
2: How I don't know why you wouldn't. I
1: would
0: That would be so much fun.
1: But so you're talking about love, Shumpert, assuming they keep Tristan and Tristan. Yeah, I mean, for I mean, I think you have to do that. But yeah, uh, I ha-
0: I'd have to run the numbers to see if it's even like tangentially possible. But it, it's just one of those fun things to think about.
1: You blew, man! You blew my mind there. I not even This is
2: what. That. This is what the off season does to us.
0: This is what being a CBA nerd does. Is I start, I, yeah. I think about, I think about something, and I go, "Is this like basically what I what I think about sometimes?" Because I have all, I have you know, I have an Excel sheet with everybody's salaries. Is I, I think about, oh, that would be fun. Is it possible? And so that's when I get. I got into God, I got, I've done a, a series of pieces for Warriors World about how the Warriors could get Durant. <laughs> because it's totally
1: <laughs> that I could actually see happen. Oh,
0: that's in, that's it's actually depending on what they do with their extensions with Barnes and Azealia, it's actually very possible. No, I, I, I'm not saying it's likely because I have no idea what Kevin Durant wants. But
2: oh well, wait, why are we talking about the Bulls going after Kevin Durant when they're obviously going after future Bull Anthony Davis, according to everyone on Bulls Twitter?
0: Oh God, yeah, like 2020 plan, let's get it. I would like to formally apologize. <laughs> you gotta come and, home. I would like to formally apologize to Pelicans fans that when I wrote a piece on Real GM talking, which I still believe that he should have taken the qualifying offer, I did not mean that necessarily to say that he was going to leave specifically to go to the Bulls, because apparently Bulls Twitter started talking about that partially, not mostly because of my piece, but they used that that as rocket fuel for a conversation they were already having.
2: Anytime anyone mentions Anthony Davis, Bulls Twitter will disappear. He used to go back to Chicago and just, like, disappear into the ether.
1: My opinion
0: that actually gets into something that would, considering your guys' connection, how do you quantify Derrick Rose's value in terms of his next negotiations?
1: Uh, I the think the he plays ideally, this year. ideally, right. It depends a lot on what because he's got two years left in his deal. I think ideally, what the Bulls would want to say to him, and we'll see how we'll see how he, his people react to this. This is going to be a fun thing to see unfold over the next couple of years, but you know. I mean obviously I think he's at this point he's worth more to the Bulls than he's worth to any other team. I I think that's pretty fair to say cuz he's from here he's like you know the local success story even with all his injuries and stuff. And the point guard position is so deep I can't imagine there's going to be another team unless he has two Upcoming like his last two years in his contract, he gets back to playing at like an MVP type of level with no injury concerns. And you know, you're talking about something that I, that's two variables that I think are probably pretty unlikely to happen. But I think the ideal thing for the Bulls is if they were to decide, you know, okay, look, we gave you the max while you were recovering from knee surgery for. Two of the years, so you know we didn't get a lot of value out of that max. So you, do you think you guys? But we stuck with you this whole time. Do you think you could do as a solid and maybe take yeah. you know, a little bit less on your on your next contract? I mean, we'll see how see how Rose's people react to that if they bring it up. But you know, because
2: if there's one if there's one attribute I'll give to the Bulls, it's sticking with Derrick Rose. Yep, totally.
0: Yeah, they don't even want to bring in a backup who can challenge him.
1: <laughs> yeah, but they they would have had so many. They they could have had so much. Like, and, that's, and that's the thing. It's not, it's not even just, you know, what they could have done because like, he wouldn't have had much trade value during, you know, the seasons where he was injured. But there was no, like, you know, the, it was all from the top down. And I was here for the last couple of years while this was all going on. Thibodeau always had his back. His teammates always had his back. The organization was always saying, you know, we don't want to rush him back. We want him to get healthy. Like, they've they've had his back the whole time. So I think I think if they've gone this far, and especially if this if this lawsuit turns out to be nothing, I think this is probably not the appropriate place to get into the details of that. But you know, assuming if that turns out to not be a long-term thing that sticks around, you know, I think at this point they kind of they're kind of just in it for the long haul with him, and he's going to get more money even if he doesn't get another max deal because I don't think he's really a max player at this point. No. I think he's probably going to get more from the Bulls than he would get from any other team just because of the history they have there.
0: Well, and so he'll start his next contract at 29, which is – I mean, it's a little you, – you means the, the back end of that contract will probably be shaky for a point guard, but – and we don't know even, you know, relative to his prime. I mean, theoretically, most guys, if, if they're, you know, healthy, their prime is – I like to think of it as 27 – like 26 to 27 to 29 or so. And, you know, so so they could get some value out of the first couple of years of that, especially because guys like Butler will still be on the on the right side of everything, and Miritich too – but yeah, it, it's hard to quantify with him. Mostly, f- unlike a lot of guys, because not because if we don't know, you know, his talent level, but we have no idea what he is right now.
1: Yeah, what's really yeah. interesting. What do you think? What do you guys think about this whole thing that Jimmy's been talking about this summer about about wanting to be a point guard and wanting to handle the ball a little bit more? And for the record, I don't really think there's a lot to these rumors that they don't get along or that they can't play together I think that's pretty overblown but I think
2: I think it's I fair think it's, to assume there was some friction with sure but it's
1: like it's like okay okay right I mean there was how do we play some, together some friction but. but it's like it's like okay you guys they, they don't really hang out off the court like they don't have to be best friends and hang out but the thing is nobody's like that with Derek he has his people I don't think any of his teammates really are that close to him off the court. Even the guys that have been with him for a long time, like Joe Kim, it's it's that's just how Derek is. I think I think I think a lot of that is kind of overblown. But you know, getting away from that for a second, I
2: think uh, I think Butler, I think it, it was stuff. yeah, I think it was uh, almost him being a little facetious by just like because he he handled the ball so much in the pick and roll because Heinrich couldn't sometimes because Brooks would just shoot. I mean, Brooks runs these pick-and-roll, he just didn't. So I think part of that was him sort of just remarking on the fact that he really did run, he initiated a lot of sets, ran handled the ball a lot in the pick-and-roll, and just ended up being sort of the lead guard. So, you know, I think that's more just him kind of
1: playing out I, the I'm, obvious than him actually thinking he's a point guard. I'm not bringing this up to say it was a shot at Rose or anything, because I don't mm-hmm. think it was. No, no. What was. But what's interesting, because when he said that, I looked this up, and – they actually every time they played rose with another point guard they had a positive net rating and you know in some cases whether whether it was with heinrich or with brooks and, you know, so I think, you know, if Butler you know improves, he's already a pretty good ball handler. If he improves his passing a little bit, if he can actually play point guard, you know, that would ease a lot of the burden on Rose. You know, you can have them sort of trade off, and that would just kind of give them another wrinkle. I kind of feel like that could be an interesting thing for them to explore.
0: If... Yeah, I agree. I think that they can both, both those guys can play on and off the ball, and that's something that I've liked for years is just having multiple guys that can do it but don't feel like they have to. And I think the league is going more that direction. And so for what I would say with Jimmy is if he wants to do it, if he can, if he shows that he has the capability, then you you start to give him more freedom. And when he starts to mess it up, then you pull the reins back. I mean,
1: I think the the thing you have to worry about is whether Rose playing off the ball translates into Rose shooting more threes, because that's kind of been a thing the last couple of years where he's felt like he can shoot threes and clearly the numbers show that he can't.
2: Yeah, that's true. Hey, he, he he shot. He was a good three point shooter in the playoffs this year. You leave him and whatnot. He, he was, was he was a
0: great three point shooter on buzzer beaters that were banked.
2: No, he, what he, did he, he shoot? Let me look up what he shot. Uh, yeah, yeah, he actually shot fairly well because he shot a lot. He shot a lot of uh, spot up threes. Yeah, I haven't here. I haven't
0: looked at the numbers with him. I he might be a guy. It's entirely possible. This is just me just <laughs> from when I've watched the Bulls that he could be a much better spot up shoot th-
2: shooter from range then his problem is that sometimes a play will break down. He won't, you know, or he'll get something will we we'll blocked off and he'll just decide, well, I, I should dribble five times and then shoot this three. That'll work. Yeah. And it just is terrible.
0: Yeah. Cause it, I, I could totally see him as one of those guys, you know, another player who's like that is Kyrie. Kyrie's yeah. spot up percentages are
2: ridiculous.
0: Like he's really good at it. It's just that he doesn't shoot them as high a proportion of his looks as he could partially because he has the ball in his hands all the time. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that per se. It's just that you need. 348 to
2: Three forty-eight from from three in the playoffs this year, and that's considering I, I'm pretty sure he missed his last eight or nine. So
0: yeah, and so I, he's I mean, fine. The, yeah, and that's also what makes Stephen Curry just ridiculous is that he can take those shots that everybody no, else shouldn't take, and he makes them. Yep. Yeah, I mean he's the best. He's the best off the dribble three point shooter in the history of the league, which is
2: not useful. God, his on off is twenty three point seven in the playoffs. Rose. Rose Yeah, he wasn't but, even that good.
0: Well, and I mean, but that, I think a lot of that goes back to the idea that you know, that they had, that they had their bench was so flawed like No, that's exactly
2: what it goes back to. It's, that that's less him being that good and more Heinrich and Brooks just being up this in the playoffs. They were just terrible. Like, they couldn't play them without him on the floor.
0: Yeah, I think it would be uh, obviously they don't have the guys to do it, but I, something that I've harped on with the Warriors a little bit, though it's less true now than it used to be, is the idea of having a, a if you have a, a starting point guard who would do really, really well against other teams' backups just because he's so much better than them, to have a defensive-minded backup and then just play the defensive-minded backup against the other team's starter sometimes. So what that would do if Jimmy Butler really wants to take a larger role is you say, oh like the guy for this, if you want to think about it is Patrick Beverly. You know. So you let Jimmy Butler do it. You have Patrick Beverly take the other teams, let's say Kyrie, you have Patrick Beverly just like ruin Kyrie's life for five minutes, and then you play Rose, so he still gets starter minutes, but you just tilt his minutes around a little bit so he plays a higher proportion of them against backups just to just to get him going. Yeah. I think that would be awesome for them. I think, the, but but instead, their backup point guard is, is the idea Brooks. of Patrick
2: Beverly as a backup in general. It's just it's too it's too good an idea for them. Or that just wouldn't happen.
0: Yeah, well, but the, the downside of Beverly, you, why you don't want him playing with backups is that I don't. The thing that he does the worst, in my opinion, of the things that he does is running an offense.
1: Yeah.
0: So, like, if you can play him with. James Harden or with somebody who's capable of running an offense, I think you do that. But it, it, it's just a kind of a non like a, a, an unusual way of thinking about rotations, but I think with guys who have really predominant characteristics like that. I mean, you could say the same thing with Sean Livingston with the Warriors if you wanted to, but like they're, they're he's a little bit different just because he's, his defense has changed over the last couple of years just cuz you know, he's you know, he is what he is with his knee injuries and everything else. He's still a very yeah. good player. But it's it's frustrating to me that they're like that. A team like the Bulls, like that they're that they kind of they limited themselves just by having a guy who you can't trust with that role, and that's a bad thing. Because if you can't play Aaron Brooks with your starters and he's your backup, then you're in double trouble because that means that you don't want you you you're extra hurt if Derrick Rose yeah. has to miss time.
2: It's so a very foolish way of building a lineup, building a team. So the only the only other thing I had to add was that um. Bucks now have the best jerseys in the division. Charles Mike Randleau.
1: The best jerseys what?
2: In the division.
0: Best active oh, division, jerseys? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean the Pacers' old jerseys are better. But.
2: Flojos.
1: The Flojos are fantastic. Yeah, those are those are great. Like, well, did you guys see that the Bulls are going to bring back for the like their hardwood classics night? They're going to bring back like the jerseys from Jordan. The cursive Wilson,
2: font ones, yeah. Cursive. That's font. true. Those might be better. Those are uh, gorgeous those are my, too.
1: Those are my favorite. Probably my favorite jerseys of all time.
0: Yeah, I, some people would probably argue there are certain Pistons ones that are nice, not the ones with the horse on it, but the, you know the Isaiah, the Isaiah. Ones. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa! What are you saying about the what jerseys with the horse on them?
0: Do you like those?
1: I like all bad '90s jerseys except for the red Sonics.
0: Wait, what? Oh. I don't even think I
1: remember the Red Sonics. I might have blocked those out. Well, remember, because, like, the ones after the... It was just an alternate, but remember, oh, like, Oh, yeah, okay, oh, yeah. The ones yeah, that I were, just... like, the late 90s, early 2000s green ones, yeah. but red.
0: Oh, I yeah, they had, like, such a heavy accent that you thought it was the primary color. Yep, yeah. yeah. That's right. Though I Because, I, I, I yeah, the, those are terrible. That gets but, a, that not was, even, like, that not They're not even
2: interestingly bad.
0: Like, it's always kind of frustrating to me when a team has an unusual, like, primary color or color combination when they move away from that. it's like, you know, you had this corner and you did a good job with it. Don't move away from that.
1: What do you guys think about the Hawks? Because I don't hate hate their jerseys as much as I did when they first announced them. Yeah, seeing the jerseys. At Summer League, league, they had them all, like, in in these displays. I hated them.
0: I still hate them. I think but, they look a lot better but, on people. Than but other than the athletes. sleeves, the Buzz City Hornets jerseys are unbelievably
2: beautiful. Yeah. yeah those, are good. those, those...
1: Now You have to think the sleeves are going to stop being a thing once night. I am,
2: I am okay. conditionally in on the Hawks jerseys as long as they don't actually mix, mix and match like they said they might, which would just be the worst idea, and it would look horrible. Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Mix and match, like, wearing one shorts, one pair of yeah. shorts. Yeah, a... they, they said
2: they, said they could do it. That's
1: terrible. Why would you do that? Yeah,
2: it's the worst idea.
1: It would look horrible. But I don't like yeah. the whites. I don't like the whites at all. But the black. I don't like the,
2: and the reds. I don't like the, the the volt green or whatever it is. Get rid of that, yeah. and it might be better.
0: The Hawks are another team. They're, they're a team that has had multiple different color combinations that work. Because the old pistol, I have a pistol Pete Maravich uh, Hawks cool. jersey
1: that's really nice.
2: The the Hawks jerseys are better than the Clippers' new jerseys. I'll say that.
1: Well, I think literally a literal trash bag is better than the Clippers. Oh, <laughs> the what the do you think? New jerseys do you, it's, it's, it's are amazing. The Clippers mascot, by the way, do you guys see that? I have
0: already. Well, first of all, your idea is better than my idea, but um, no, the, the your idea your idea was that they should just have the old Pierre the pelican, which right, is right, which is better. My <laughs> idea is so it was a kind of a real blast from the past. But Stetson University used to have it. There, they, they were. I think they were the Stetson Hats or Stetson Hatters because that's what a Stetson is. And, um, and so their mascot was a giant hat, like, not like a hat with googly eyes, I think primarily, it was just a giant hat, a giant boat that is just a giant boat
2: to me would be (laughs) perfect.
0: It doesn't say anything. It doesn't interact with the kids. It's just a
2: giant boat. Why not just Steve Ballmer?
1: (laughs) There you go. Maybe they, maybe they, maybe they, maybe they, they they resurrect. Maybe they have two mascots. Maybe they resurrect the original Pierre, the Pelican, and they resurrect the Brooklyn Knight. Just all both at once. Make them a crime fighting duo. Who rides in a clipper ship?
0: <laughs> oh, that's an interesting
1: idea. I'm gonna I I'm gonna tweet that before the podcast goes up so I stake my intellectual property for that.
0: Feel free. You you I, I, I withdraw all rights trademark on that.
1: Who else said New Jersey? Except I the the animation. I
0: get animation rights. <laughs> Never
1: should have given them animation rights.
2: They look a Sheagle. Who all has New jerseys? The the Nuggets technically have New jerseys. Yeah. It looks fine. It looks the like,
1: Sixers ones are nice.
2: Yeah, the Sixers ones are great. Yes. Toronto's. Toronto's look alright.
1: Yeah, I like Toronto's.
2: And then the rest are just alternate. It. Well, like but those... Toronto,
1: the Toronto you have to put a you have to put an asterisk next to Toronto's because they ripped off the Nets by having a wrapper. Uh, yeah. introduce Them, so you you have you they can they and, and a circular a logo. Circular
0: logo.
1: Logo. They're tainted. stealing
2: from stealing from Brooklyn.
1: They're, Brooklyn they're invented that concept. They had the yeah. they, they they all all I'm saying is that the Nets jerseys have names on the front and numbers on the back and, and and player names on the back and and then the and the Raptors jerseys.
2: The Raptors have, are playing in a in the an Raptors indoor stadium with in the just, front
1: and a player name on the back. Just I'm just saying. I'm not saying that they were consciously ripping off the Nets, I'm just saying. They're playing, they're,
2: they're playing in in an, in an indoor stadium. I mean, come on. Yeah, intellectual properties they're playing,
1: they're playing basketball. Like you, you can't play. You can't be playing basketball. I mean, the, the, the that's exist. the basketball team. Anybody else who's playing basketball? Like,
0: can we it? have a short conversation on the Raptors black and gold jerseys? Because I, I think those could be pretty nice too. I, yeah,
2: like I haven't Seen enough of them yet? But yeah, I like them. Yeah. Um, let's, I'm looking at the identity update thing. That thing that leaked a while ago.
1: I love the idea that literally. I mean, I'm, I mean, I think that they they have to be glad that. Uh, Drake handled the Meek Mill thing as well as he did because that could have been embarrassing if, <laughs> if, if Meek Mill had somehow won that beef, which you know is as 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 difficult as that is to imagine, but uh, if that had oh, happened, that's been to be around in the holes. Right, there you go. But if um, that if that but if that if that had happened and then you know then then the Raptors are like stuck with these uniforms that were designed by Drake and they're like having Drake as his whole Are you are either of you guys going to Toronto for All Star?
0: I'm considering it. L- I've heard very good things. I'd like to go, but we just have to figure out what the timing.
1: Because I'm just assuming that the entire halftime entertainment for the entire weekend is just going to be one long Drake concert, <laughs> which I'm not even mad at. Well, see,
2: I forgot that the, uh, the Thunder had these garbage-looking orange alternates. Oh, oh my God, God, no.
1: Oh, I've, that's right. Those are new ones. Yeah, God, those are... Why would you...
2: The Pistons have the silver ones. Was like the Thunder
1: just need. I'm sorry, the Thunder need to just tear down their entire full rebrand. I, I don't. I, I first
2: all, a fine name. Well,
1: I, I mean. honestly. Look, I I actually think they need to get rid of the Thunder name. I I hate. This is like a thing, a personal thing of mine. I hate singular names. the Heat, Yeah, I'm man. fine with it.
0: Okay, here's here's my rule on it. If you if you have to struggle to think about what a player on that team would yes. be called.
1: I'm a thunder. Like that's that's that sounds stupid. Yeah. I'm a, a magic.
2: I like that the jazz. The jazz have sort of preempted it by just going with jazz man, which is better. which is
1: bad too, but it's uh, less bad. It's less yeah.
2: bad.
0: Also, they they should not be the Utah Jazz. That should go back. To they the should world. That,
2: That's yeah. That's well,
0: okay. But
1: the Lakers shouldn't be the Los Angeles Lakers. That should go back to Minneapolis. No, if, that... if
0: you win if you win a title in your new place before the name is reverted, you don't you can you can opt to keep it. If you haven't yet won a title, the other city should the be. able to The Problem is, back. if
1: they go back to the New Orleans Jazz and that, then you know the Pelicans are are not a thing anymore, which would make me sad. No,
0: then the the, 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 the jazz, then Utah gets the original Pelican. Yeah.
1: Well,
2: I mean, New the, Orleans Pelicans is a very the good
0: other team. sleeper without a team that we already talked about is the Clippers. The Clippers are it's close enough geographically that people don't really think about it. Also, I learned this when I made a joke during the during the not the conference finals during the semifinals that people don't know what a Clipper is. But the the Clippers ships are in San Diego. They're not in L. A. And they yeah. always were. I mean, they were. I the, I bought a San Diego Clippers hat over the summer just because it's awesome. Because very few people think of it. But it. I, I think that like it is frustrating to me when you have those kind of anachronistic nicknames. Not that doesn't bother me nearly as much as the non plurals. or the you can't summarize what a guy is. I, I it would be so much weirder to say that you're a member of the Heat than even that you're a wizard. And wizard is unbelievably stupid anyway. <laughs>
2: You're,
1: it's, you're a wizard, John Wall. I've started calling anytime the wizards and the magic play each other. I started calling it the Quidditch Cup.
2: <laughs> a lot of hardwood classics this year. Are interesting. Dallas is wearing those uh, green—they're all green uniforms again, which are choice. And, the and the are, city jerseys aren't always. they?
1: Aren't the, aren't the Mavericks having those the, those new skyline alternates? Yeah, they like fine. Line? Is that a thing? Yeah. That, that there was real. this one. There was this one jersey from that contest because I remember that contest. There was just one jersey that I just loved. And they didn't. It didn't even make the final like round of selection for that contest. Yeah. and I was so mad. That always When I was talking about,
2: I remember liking a lot of them. The Kings, baby blue ones, bring back. Oh, of those course.
1: fire. Those are fire. Yeah, those are
0: great. Yeah, I, th- those should be their primaries.
2: Yeah, some I, some I, variation of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, because also it is ridiculous to me that I mean I guess Denver has it in there now, but like, I granted I went to UCLA, so I have a clear bias towards light blue, but. It's such a nice color for jerseys, and it's really an underutilized space in terms of yeah. professional basketball. Yeah. I, almost any almost any team would look nice in, like, that kind of a jersey. Like, the Clippers had it for a very short period of time. They had those, like, light blue throwbacks, and they were, I mean, I didn't like the design of them, but the color was good because they had sleeves, and sleeve jerseys are terrible. But, like, <laughs> but then they just seated that back. They just seeded that landscape back. Like, they had it. The other team that should have those color jerseys is Miami, which I actually fully support them going after some weird ideas. Because if any team is going to do some weird color choices, it should be a Miami team.
1: Well, the Miami jerseys have been really interesting the last few years. I think yeah, they, they, they haven't really they haven't really done it since LeBron left, but they used to have a bunch of weird alternates. Like they had all those different monochrome ones. They had like black, red, green. They had like a weird green ones. They had like black, red, and white. Just like monochrome yeah that does i, I love those i like those like miami floridians like throwbacks
2: those are great yeah you see, oh, see that miami noticed. vice
1: concept that mickey arison put on his instagram i think those are kind of yeah. cool. did they,
0: i didn't see the pictures but i heard the idea yeah i i think I, they just have so much they have so much real estate that they can use and they have complete ownership over it so like you can just find something that works um, also they should be able to play in leisure suits just because that would be the greatest thing ever
2: the all the, the one I'm forgetting. I don't want to. I don't want to leave them out. Are the Hickory High Pacers jerseys, which could be terrible looking. I'm not entirely sure how they're going to work. Nope. Pacers are wearing Hickory High jerseys.
0: Are they sponsored by Ian Levy?
2: Apparently, <laughs> yeah.
1: Shout out Ian Levy.
0: Shout out Ian. Excellent, excellent writer. Uh, he's
2: very excited about it. But no, they they are they're wearing them.
0: Ah, uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I get it. Uh, I think they're cool. I also don't have a really big attachment to that movie, so I don't really have I the don't. nostalgia value of it but they I don't but...
0: it's frustrating because the Pacers have so many awesome old jerseys that they, they do. Just
1: wear. They should just go back to the Flojo's full time. Yep. I would completely the Flojos are those. great. The ABA era Pacers jerseys are great.
2: They have so many good jerseys. They have
0: they have at least 4 that I can think of that are like legit top 30 or 40 jerseys that any team has worn in the last like 30 years that they could wear. And instead the they Pistons, wear things that
1: the, the Pistons needed redesign. They need to go back to the Isaiah era. Their their current ones are just bland. Yeah. And so yeah. some of the, ma- the Magic ones are the the Magic's current ones are terrible.
2: They need they need it. They need it. Yeah. Well, like, that
0: goes along. I think Sean, you and I talked about this at the finals. My thing that I think almost every single NBA team has a better jersey that they have worn than the ones they are wearing. Yeah.
1: Now. Why Why did the Magic ever go away from the '90s pinstriped? Yeah. The- like maybe
0: like once every five years, you do one season with something different, and then you go back.
2: Just to somewhere. Um. Else. Well, let's think. Who? who- yeah, I mean, I, you could say the Lakers, the Celtics don't really count.
0: Celtic, yeah, they're teams that have had the same jersey for 20 the years. the Lakers,
2: now. this is not the best Lakers jersey that's ever existed. No, it's Correct. not. And they're fine, they're pretty good, but
0: yeah. they're not as good as I, drop shadow. The I, drop I, shadow I, I, I encourage anybody who is listening to this who has a strong opinion on Twitter, please give me examples of teams that are wearing the best jerseys they've ever worn, because I honestly think that list is less than five.
1: It's Milwaukee. Well, which teams would even be on it? What's even the 5? I don't even think there are 5.
0: I mean so depending on how you count the whole Charlotte thing. Uh,
1: no, I think you have to I think you have to measure the current. Now that, now that they're the Charlotte Hornets, I think you have to measure them against the uh, Brooklyn
0: Brooklyn Hornets. is in the conversation though. I love if we're continuing the history some of those old ABA jerseys were awesome.
1: Yeah, the Brooklyn ones. You are keep pretty seeing
2: crazy. you keep seeing concepts for their current color scheme with a stripe with a star pattern on one side. That'd just be fantastic.
0: Yeah. You uh, could yeah. say Philadelphia. Honestly, yeah,
2: Philadelphia. Is
0: really good good they, had, they had some awesome jerseys. Was it in the late '80s? I think yeah,
2: it was. they had some great jerseys. These are these are pretty good. The ones that they
1: had when Barkley was first there Portland's. with with like this with like the swoosh and the stripes. You know the one I'm talking about the stars. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah those
2: yeah, are was... those are good.
0: Nope, the wizards. I, guess, I was gonna say the wizards, but nope. No. No, nope, their their seventies uh, ones were way better.
2: But some of these, some of these are, are reimaginings of those jerseys, so you could count them.
0: No, but they're still worse. Like the Nuggets reimagining yeah. of their of their old jersey is worse than the old jersey.
2: Maybe Portland, but I, I think the Walton.
1: No, ones I are think the better. Blazers best. I think the Blazers best jerseys were the early nineties. Yeah, the, agreed. Arcades. Yeah, those are good. Yeah, and another one like that. Why haven't
0: the Suns ever gone back to the Barkley era ones?
1: They did those, oh. they did that, uh... They did him sleeved. No, 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 no. Oh, they, they did, did, they
2: went back once. They, 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 really they, they went
1: back like two years ago, during the year that Michael Beasley was there. They had the black alternates.
0: Well, I'm not, yeah, saying, uh, yeah I guess I should clarify. I don't mean this alts, I mean this primaries.
1: Oh, I don't know. And by the way, the, the, the Suns jerseys from like the 2000s, from before their current ones, those are the worst jerseys in NBA history. That's They're my, that's bad. my pick for that. They're pretty bad.
0: What about, was it, like, those Mavericks ones that were silver? Like,
1: the, like, shiny silver? Somebody oh, has. like... They only wore those in, like, two preseason games, though, right? <laughs> the really shiny,
2: pretty much all the really shiny jerseys are just like the
1: worst. I used to always, and I'm kicking myself for not buying one, but I used to always, like, in the 2000s, I used to always see, like, on clearance at any, you know, Champ Sports or whatever store uh, you want to name, the, 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 the Gilbert Arenas uh, Wizards jersey that was the gold. Oh,
0: oh the, long, the gold and black, long. yeah.
2: Uh, okay, so the Suns are the worst like primary jerseys of all time. Cause I can agree yes. with that. Yeah, because like because you're you're neglecting. If you're saying the worst that anyone's ever worn, you're neglecting like the camo Spurs jerseys.
1: Well, yeah. anything camo is automatically the worst.
2: Just garbage. Um...
1: Full respect to the troops. Just camo jerseys. Yeah, shout are out to the troops. I almost think it's disrespectful to the troops to because they're turn, so bad. To Turn their uniforms into just like a uh, into like a caricature of.
0: I- except that reason. except that I I'm fully in support of if like army ever wanted to like wear camo jerseys. I think that would be kind of great. Right. right but, like just
1: fine, a, fine. an NBA team just being like, "Hey, you know, uh, we're going to salute the there are other, i feel like there are shout other ways to, to do it." Shout out to the troops. However, <laughs> it, however
0: if the Spurs under David Robinson had wore jerseys that looked like navy uniforms, that would've been kind of cool. Nice, yeah. 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 What about have <laughs> yeah. the Grizzlies ever had better uniforms? So, I mean, their Vancouver ones were
1: abysmal. Well, no, the original Vancouver Grizzlies were the best.
0: The logo was good, but the jerseys
2: were not good. I don't think, I think this is probably the best jersey. This probably is. That's a low bar. I I mean, their jerseys aren't bad, but it's just like they've never had a sweet one. I love the the lettering on their jerseys. Yeah. And the numbering. I love the font. I like that we went in this
0: direction because you guys are actually two very knowledgeable people about this.
2: Yeah. This is what a lot of our characters
0: are. Oh are the are the Spurs are the Spurs in they're at least they're in the conversation, right? I don't think they
2: Yeah. Like their ABA
1: ones were nice, it's but
2: basically the same jersey. The yeah, the yeah, they're, ones were good.
1: I like the I like the eighties jazz and the nineties jazz better than the current jazz, but the current jazz are so much better than like the early two thousands oh, jazz.
0: How how great would it be if the, if they if the Utah Jazz allowed the New Orleans jazz, New Orleans to even though they're keep the keeping the Pelicans name to wear the old New Orleans Jazz oh. uniforms because those were just basically I have this theory that Pete Maravich just went wherever his jerseys would look awesome.
1: It was like That's everywhere. What I would do ever... If I was an NBA player, I would just be like, I want to go to the Warriors or the.
2: Uh... It's insane that you can't say the Warriors wearing their best jerseys even they're though not, they're wearing. They're, a, they have the best. Even though they're wearing the amazing jerseys.
1: Even close to the city jerseys. No,
2: no. The Knicks, if you consider it, I really like the Knicks jerseys
1: right now. Yeah, the Knicks jerseys are fine. They're better than they but, were in the early 2000s when they had the black on the sides. Didn't like. Yeah, that the one. black on the sides is bad. Are,
0: are you guys with me that the city jerseys are the best jerseys in professional basketball history? Probably, probably. I, I, just, I
1: think it's between those and the Rainbow Nuggets.
2: Rainbow Nuggets.
1: Remo Nugs are pretty great,
0: but I don't think they're in. The, I don't think they're in the conversation. I think it's the city jerseys and. I I right.
2: have a lot of personal attachment to the cursive font bowls, but even then, they're not as interesting as the city jerseys. So. Yeah.
1: The bulls regulars oh, are pretty solid. I mean, I mean, how, what about the? Bulls? They're good. They're good. Are the bulls but, wearing the best jerseys ever? No, oh, they're, no they're
2: script not, ones. They're not wearing. They're not wearing, the, they're not wearing the cursive font jerseys.
0: Yeah, the cursive ones are their best ones.
2: Imagine if the Bulls and Warriors play each other this year wearing the cursive font and city jerseys. They're both on they
1: on the hardware classic list. Oh, I, I really hope that happens. That's an ESPN be the, game. The one here is an ESPN game. I really hope that happens. That
2: would be probably the best jersey combination possible in the sport.
0: Yeah, I don't think they would mesh too well color wise, but just two beautiful jerseys on the same court. Also, if the Warriors don't go to the city jerseys when they move to San Francisco, whenever that ends up happening, I'm just going to be angry the whole time. I, I feel <laughs> yeah. like that's the reason, because they deliberately— Well, well, well have, they,
1: have they said what what they're going to do with the name? Are they going to stay Golden State Warriors, or are they going to go they're back to San s- Francisco it's, Warriors? It's
0: not official yet, but there have been indications that they are intending to switch when the switch happens. So um, they're going to be
1: the San Francisco Warriors.
0: Correct. That is that is that is my interpretation. I have not heard that confirmed by anybody on the team. I think I think there have been a couple like loose reports out there, but it also makes complete sense especially cuz there's lots of history with that name. If they move to San Francisco and become the San Francisco Warriors and do not go back to the city jerseys, I'm just going to be belligerently angry. I feel like people you should, should buy I feel like pe- people should pick it. Like that, that and I don't even think this is this is actually a good time for the two of you guys too. I'm really frustrated that so many teams are really open to wearing remakes or whatever of the old jerseys when just making exactly the same or substantially similar jerseys with the new players' names would sell really well. Like, I'm, pretty not sure like, yeah. a
1: rule. I'm pretty sure there's a
2: rule about that,
0: though. Is there really?
2: Yeah. I think, I think the, the teams that have done the best with this idea bring bringing the Bucks again, taking some of the design decisions of those jerseys, but changing them to the point where they're not just remakes. Like the piping down the side on these bucks jerseys is obviously supposed to be a callback to the '80s bucks jerseys, but they're not the same jersey. I think it's a good idea.
1: Yeah, it's at the very least they should sell the jersey. Well, they the Blazers did that for a while.
0: I, I can't even imagine how many jerseys they would sell. Of like the, it, do they even sell like the old awesome Lakers jerseys with Kobe's name on it? They could, they could. Sell yeah, yeah, you,
1: know, you, know, you know, I've seen those. I've seen that. I see, I see, like, the like the blue cursive, like, Minneapolis-era Lakers, because I think they've probably worn those as throwbacks. I've seen those. I've definitely seen the drop shadow. Again, again,
2: at Summer League, you will see every Kobe jersey conceivable.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I was thinking, like, a City
0: Curry jersey, I'm sure, would sell insanely well. Uh, the City Curry. Yeah. I mean,
1: I don't really buy jerseys anymore because I can't wear them, and it's just kind of a waste of money, but I would probably buy a, the City Curry jersey.
0: Yeah, that would be. Also, any team that goes with those I I I despise gray as a primary color in jerseys. Like those horrible Celtics ones?
1: Yeah. Oh, God. Well, the Celtics should just never have alternates of any kind. I've never liked the Celtics alternates that have the black lettering. Those are bad. This is, like, if you're, if you're the if you're the Celtics yeah, the If you're the same pageant as anyone
2: that has, like, green and gold, they're okay.
1: No, I don't like those either. I oh, think well. the Celtics should never... The oh. Celtics should be like the Yankees and just never have any kind of...
0: What about what about your oh, opinions God. on the Jazz Mountain
2: jerseys?
1: Oh, I love okay. those. I love
2: them. I, I kind of used to hate them for some reason, but oh, but I always like them more than the shit they went to afterwards. Well, no, see, yeah.
0: I I like the ones they had before that, but I think I like those more than what came after. Like you know yeah. the the ones that are some... The
2: one the ones they based this new look off of. Yeah. Like the. Like the... Yeah, yeah, I like
1: the, I like
0: those. Yeah, there, I was looking at one one insane. thing. I, know I was going to try to look through it with the Jazz. Is like they, I think they right now like it, when they have purple on the white jerseys that have purple as the accent color, but they have the numbers are green. I really don't like that. But if they made it. Made the numbers purple and then kept green as like a deep accent color. I think that, w- which is what they yeah. did originally. But then it's the same jersey. It's probably why they didn't do that.
1: Yeah, we have to think that the sleeves are going to go away once Nike yes. the, yes. the apparel eventually. Wait, wait, yeah, wait. The- the, and this is a controversial opinion, but uh, I liked the the Brooklyn Nets gray sleeved alternate. Oh, the Brooklyn Dodgers
0: the- tribute the- ones. I yeah,
1: I like I like that because at least like it conceptually made sense. Like we're going to make them. That's, like, the only one where it's, like, I understand why it makes sleeves because it's, like, a baseball jersey.
0: Okay, but here's my point. If you're going to do that, then use the awesome script Dodgers style and don't make them gray. Make them white. Like, Dodgers, Dodgers, I I hate the Dodgers, but their white uniforms are stunning. Like, if you basically made a basketball equivalent of that jersey, I wouldn't wear it, but I would like it. As much fun as this is, I shall let you guys go. Um, This is fun. Yeah, yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on. No problem. Thanks so much to Sean and Brian for taking the time to come on. You can read Sean Hyken at Bleacher Report. He's their lead Bulls writer and at NBC Sports. And you can follow him on Twitter at Hyken, H-I-G-H-K-I-N. Brian writes for Hardwood Paroxysm and Bulls by the Horns. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Cosmos, C-O-S-M-I-S. It was real fun having them on. I, I have two more of these division ones to go, but I've enjoyed doing all of them and I hope you got something out of it. For feedback, you can always reach out to me at Daniel LaRue is my Twitter handle, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. You can also hit me up on email at Daniel.LaRue at RealGM.com. I have some more pieces on the NBA Utopia concept at Sporting News. Hope I hope to do one on the on-court changes that I'd like, which might be on Sporting News. I actually don't know where that one's going to roll, but I'm going to do that in the next couple weeks. Wrote a piece on middle-level exceptions for the CBA Encyclopedia at Real GM and have lots of other, you know, good content. Also did a uh, off-season grades for the Eastern Conference with Nate Duncan on the Dunked On podcast, and we will do Western Conference. It looks like we're going to record over the weekend, so it'll probably come out early next week. A- and I, I appreciate all of you guys for following that. Also, now I have a Facebook page, which is has all of the... Material that I put out in various outlets altogether. So, if, you, if you're interested in it, thank you, and that is a, a, about as good a resource as you can have because I write for a lot of different places, do podcasts uh, for different sites, and you know when I'm when I guest on something else. So, appreciate that, and as always, your input is greatly appreciated, and I read everything and respond to as much as I can, and I really do appreciate it. So, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Take care, and make it a great day. Run to Old Navy for revolutionary prices on summer's most stylish shorts. Tomorrow only, they're all 50% off for the whole family. All your favorite shorts, denim, linen, all of them. All
1: shorts are 50% off tomorrow only. Run to Old Navy. Valid 630 excludes active.